Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we get to look at the readings for the third Sunday in Lent. The gospel lesson comes to us from St. John, the fourth chapter, and it's the well-known story of the woman at the well in Samaria. And there is a lot happening. We got some practical things, but more importantly, we have the whole idea of who Jesus is in our flesh, in our world. So you have the creator of all things, and he comes to dwell amongst us. This is Emmanuel. He comes to his own, and his own do not know him, but yet he comes regardless. And at the very beginning of the text, and again, St. John 4, 5 through 16, or 5 through 42, and this is verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, this isn't a command. He's not telling this woman to uh, serve him, obey him. This is actually a request. And I, I want you to think about this, dear listener. Again, starting off with the whole idea that you have the creator of all creation sitting there alone at a well with no physical ability to get the water. His disciples have left him to get food. They've been traveling, and Jesus is just literally sitting there. He's thirsty, he's hungry, and he has no way of providing for himself. He doesn't have a day job. He doesn't even have a bucket or a, a way to get the water out of the well. And so this woman shows up, and he asks. Luther says he begs. And I think this is just utterly phenomenal in the simple fact that the king of all creation, the king of salvation, the king of church, the lord of the church, lord of life, the almighty has truly humbled himself to the point that he thirsts without the ability to quench that thirst. And he begs this woman to give him a drink. Now, this woman, she's not a bad woman. She's not a mean woman, and, and you know the story. But notice her response. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me, a woman of Samaria? And in parentheses it says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaria. They hated each other. They saw them as less than human. And Jesus, being a good and devout Jew, has broken those social cords, those social standards, those common ways of dealing with each other. Jesus dares to speak. Jesus dares to put him in a position, put himself in a position to receive 
from this Samaritan woman. And again, that's just huge on so many levels. And we need to think about this on so many fascinating things are happening. So Jesus is asking for literal water. He's meeting this woman literally where she is at the well, living about her life, doing what she normally does. And Jesus breaks into her time, her space, and he's going to deal with her flesh. And he does that, first of all, by connecting to all people. He thirsts. He's hot. He's hungry. He's tired. And he needs help. And so the woman, you a Jew, why why are you talking to me? Why are you asking? You're just a cause problems. And you can't even get water. And Jesus answers her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And this is, again, huge because we know what he's talking about. The Samaritan woman doesn't. He's talking about the promise of life everlasting, the promise of forgiveness, the promise of salvation. And he's openly stating a little bit of a tease, and, and he's going to lead her into this. He's not just hoping with his fingers crossed that she gets what he's saying. He, he will, he'll tell her. But he's pointing out and bringing her along to an understanding that the Messiah sits before her, the one promised of the Old Testament. And the Samaritans would know the Old Testament. And he is promising and offering the life, the life-giving waters that only flow from him. And again, the woman, she's not, she's not a dummy, but she's thinking very earthly. She's thinking very practical. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons, his livestock. And so again, very earthly. And again, there's nothing wrong with this. She's missing the point of what Jesus is saying. But we do the same. We, we try to reason the gifts of God. We try to reason his word and apply it to our immediate situations so that we are in control. And I don't think that this woman is trying to uh, out-argue Jesus. She's really trying to figure out what he's talking about. Because again, there's this Jew sitting next to a well, asking for water, and then has the audacity to say, if you knew who, the, who I am, you'd be asking me for water, the living water. None of this makes sense. I wonder if she thinks that maybe Jesus is suffering from heat stroke or something else, and now he's delusional. Who knows? But there's a couple of things happening. She still talks to him, and Jesus still offers this gift, even to the Samaritan woman, even to the people outside of Jerusalem, people outside of Israel, the gospel goes out literally into the wilderness. So Jesus, again, engaging the woman, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. That the water that I will give him 
will become to him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman is all over this. Sir, give me that water. Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have to come here to draw the water. So once again, this woman misses the the fullness of what Jesus is saying. She doesn't want to be thirsty. She doesn't want to be bound by the earthly plights of going to the well, getting water, just so she can get a drink, just so she can provide for whoever is in the household or whatever is needed for water. And then Jesus, knowing all things, brings it home and immediate Go get your husband. And this is, again, where we know where the story goes. And come here. So the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband. For you've had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And I cannot imagine how loud the alarm bells are in this woman's head. Who is this man? Why would he know something so personal? I don't think that this woman has been flaunting these uh, string of men. I I don't think anything of the sort. But Jesus knows this incredibly intimate thing this fact about this woman. And I, just guessing, I think this woman is now really scared. She's caught. And not that she's shy about this, not that she's been secretly living this life. I'm sure that the people close to her know about this. I'm pretty sure she's known. Again, I don't think that she's some prostitute or or some woman of ill repute. In this sense that I I don't think she's this great woman, but she's not, again, flaunting the sin. And Jesus points it out. Jesus shows who he is. If you knew the one who was sitting before you, because I know you, and I have the gift that will save and rescue you from all that you have all that you are bound to. I will give you the living waters that will well up to eternal life. This woman is caught off guard, as any one of us would be if we met somebody who knew our deepest, darkest secrets that we even try to hide from ourselves. And Jesus exposes this. Okay, so right here, I want want to pause for a moment. Because there's this cliche, and you've heard me say, and I think it's a cliche of my own now, that I hate cliches, and I hate cliches that are right. So there's this thing within the church, and pastors are often told this, that you need to meet them where they are. And Jesus does that. He meets this sinner, this Samaritan woman, where she is at the well, living her life oblivious to the bigness of all that is happening around her. And I don't mean that she's an unfaithful uh, unbeliever. I just think that as a Samaritan, she's just doing what she normally does. And she was obviously not expecting the Christ, the Messiah, to show up at the well. But Jesus meets her where she is. 
And this is a huge thing. And this is one of the reasons that I have issues with this cliche. He doesn't leave her there. He points out what she is doing. The man that you are currently with is not your husband. And you've had five husbands. He points out her sin. He points out what she's doing. And this isn't done to, to show that he's all high and mighty. I mean, he is holier than thou. But he does this to show he knows her. And he has something for her. He has the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. He is not going to just say, you are a sinner. I am God. Give me some water so I can go on my way. He doesn't do things like that. That is not what our God does. We see this all the way back starting with Genesis. God doesn't go to Adam and Eve and say, great guys, you messed everything up. Hope everything works out because I'm done with you. He doesn't do that to Israel. Look, I, I got you out of the slavery from Egypt. You guys have not trusted me. You have not believed that I will sustain you. Well, here's the wilderness. Hope it works out. Hope you find the promised land. I'm not going to tell you where it is. But no, he leads them to the promised land. And throughout the Old Testament, even through the Babylonian captivity, the Assyrian captivity, what does God do? Even in the midst of discipline, he promises redemption and restoration. God never abandons. God never forsakes the ones that believe, the ones that hold on, the remnant. God is the one who is faithful and will continue to be faithful. And we see this right here in this text, when even the Samaritan is offered this life, this living water that Jesus promises to give. Okay, so again, there's a, a little bit of a rabbit hole just to say that Jesus meets this woman where she is, but doesn't leave her there. He's going to bring her to understand, or at least to see, what he is, or who he is, and what he has. Okay, so going back to the text. Okay, so we just discovered that she's had five men and she's not married. And the woman said to, to Jesus, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you, Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus told her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father, for the Father, is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in the spirit and truth. So right here, Jesus breaks everything. He points out the law. He points out the, all the have-tos. You have to be ceremonial clean. You have to eat the right food. You have to wear the right things. You have to do these things and so on and so forth. He breaks that. And he breaks that in such a way so that he can fulfill it and show the grandeur of the gospel. Uh, 
We're no longer bound. You have to go to Jerusalem to the temple, and only there is worship. Only there is the right worship. The Father in heaven is spirit, and we are his spiritual children. And I love this because I am talking and speaking to you right here, right now. God comes to us where we are. And just like the Samaritan woman, he doesn't leave us there. He comes to us to bring us into his life, his promise, his salvation. And it is in this that we get to worship God in spirit and truth. Now, this does not mean that we then go out and do whatever we want and say, oh, I'm worshiping God in spirit and truth. No, we still get to go to church where his gospel is proclaimed, where the forgiveness of sins is given. We still go to the community or the communion of saints where we are built up and strengthened. We go to where God promises to be in his word and sacrament. And then we live that life, our baptismal life, that gospel life, that uh, sanctified life in the spirit. But those have fruits of, the, the fruits of faith, sorry, are seen in our daily life. We live this spiritual life in the flesh. We don't separate the two. We don't have our flesh time and our spirit time. We don't have our worldly time and our, our heavenly time or however silliness we want to do. We do this because we are one person in Christ. And whether we live or die, we're in Christ. And we have the promise of life everlasting, and we have the promise of the good works that he is going to do in us and through us. And so this is the bigness of what Jesus is showing, that he will, on, upon his death, the curtain that separates the holy of holies will be torn open, and we will have access to God Almighty in worship. I cannot stress how huge this is. Jesus is laying the groundwork for all that his crucifixion is going to do and how big it is. It's not just going to be bound to Jerusalem. It's just not going to be bound to this one single time. This is the event of all time, all places, the all-availing sacrifice that opens salvation to the likes of you, to the likes of me, to the likes of this Samaritan woman. That is what Jesus lays out and offers, all so he can bring us into the promise of his kingdom, his life, and salvation forevermore. So huge, huge things. And this woman, some dots are starting to click. And she says, the woman said to Jesus, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus does the greatest mic drop ever. I who speak to you am he. So, I don't know how dramatic this was for Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Did he lean over and say, hey, I got a secret. I'm the Christ. Or was he all nonchalant and I, I who speak to you am he. And just, you know, casually just saying it, just dropping it, just letting it hang there. I, I don't know. 
But nonetheless, he makes the confession of who he is so she can make the confession of who he is, the one who brings this life-giving water that will save, rescue, and bring all people to salvation, the resurrection. So this blows this woman away. And she, in fact, runs to the town and tells everyone who is at the well. Uh, Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I have ever did. She pointed out that he knew her. And again, I think this is huge. Jesus knows you. He knows you're a sinner. He knows your sins. And yet he still comes to you. He still offers you life. St. Paul says, while we were yet still enemies of God, he sent his only begotten son to rescue us, to save us. That is the depth of God's love. And this is a great text for Lent because we're looking at ourselves and not in an arrogant way or an exclusion of looking upon God, but we, we look at ourselves so that we will have a repentive heart, a contrite heart. It is the realization and recognizing we are in need of salvation. We are in need of what God promises to deliver in the Christ, in the Messiah, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And we get to see a glimpse of this, because this is what Jesus does to and for us. He meets us where we are. He takes on our flesh to complete the law, the will, the commands of God, to bring us out of where we are, bound to sin, bound to death. And he offers life everlasting in heaven and eternity forevermore. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.